0: Well, Mark chapter 10 is where we are this morning. I, everybody have a good weekend? I hope you have. Uh, I, uh, I had a great day uh, yesterday. Uh, Jeannie and I uh, wanted to connect with our neighbors. And, and so we thought, well, how are we going to meet more of them? And so we thought, we'll, we'll put on a block party, just a little bit of a, a social activity. And, and so we distributed uh, little postcards to the people that live on our block and the one right behind and hoped that uh, we get 10 there. And uh, we actually had quite a turnout. Some are, I mean, there was a good number of people, maybe 40 or 50 people total, including kids, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, and, it's, and it, I have to say, there was this one moment that was really funny. Uh, Brian and Bridget are right here. I'm not going to embarrass you, but they were there. And Brian and I have lived on the block. He's probably lived there longer than me. Um, and each day, each time he drives by, we're, we're real friendly to one another. We visit or whatever. Anyway, so yesterday at the block party, he says to me, he goes, so what is it that you do for like a job? And I say, uh, I say, well, I'm a pastor, and he says, "What? I would have never guessed." I was like, "Wait a minute, what are you what are you saying?" I'm trying to like replaying if I've ever been a you know a jerk to him or whatever. Anyway, so um, glad, glad you guys are here. <laughs> and uh, so it was cool, because he said, you know, they said, you know, we, we're actually wanting to, to find a church, and we've been on the internet, I said, and he said, we'll be there tomorrow. I said, awesome, man, we'd love to have you. So I'm, I'm glad you all are glad you all are here. It's a real privilege to have you here. Um, I read, read an interesting article um, recently about this Korean War veteran named Gabe Spataro. Now, uh, he was an expert in deep water diving, and he had a unique opportunity over 50 years ago, and what he did was he was given the task of transporting this statue of Jesus from uh, Italy to the United States, and it was to be displayed at this convention, And after the convention was over, he had the task of taking this statue of Jesus and finding a place for it to be submerged off the coast of Florida. So over 50 years ago, he and probably a few others took this statue, and I don't know how they did it. Like, okay, here's the spot, and threw Jesus over the water into the the depths of the ocean. Uh, But at 80 years old, he wanted to visit this statue of Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. I mean, clearly this moment in his life was very, very important. So he, he began to call around and ask, like, how can I, uh, a disabled veteran, get help in going to see Jesus? And uh, a series of events occurred, and there happens to be this, this uh, organization that helps veterans uh, take deep sea dives, and so he talked them into helping him. And so we have this photo of this 80-year-old man deep in the water having made all of this effort to see Jesus. So this is what a statue of Jesus looks like after 50 years. Isn't that incredible? Is anybody else struck by like how, how strange it is, first of all, that in the ocean there's a statue of Jesus? There's actually a couple of them. And and that he would think it's enough of a big deal to go and make all this effort to go see Jesus, and it, and it strikes me because I begin to think about access to Jesus, and what we'll see today in our passage is that to get to Jesus, what we need is a simple, childlike faith. A simple childlike faith gives access. To Jesus and the blessings of being in Christ. That's the main idea. I want to say very simply uh, the simple childlike faith gives access to the blessings of Jesus. So we're in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, and we have just a few verses this morning. I want want to to, to bring up something before I teach you these verses, because in these verses, there's this phrase, the kingdom of God. And if you're new to the church or new to the Bible, it might kind of sound funny. And someone explain to you uh, what this concept of the kingdom of God is. So when Jesus began his public ministry, he came and he preached this message that sounded like this. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near Repent and believe in the good news. Mark 1, 14 and 15 is where we see those words of Jesus. The time has come. It means that this is a decisive moment in history where all of the historical events, of, events recorded in the Old Testament have, have brought us to this point in history that God has set up where he's going to begin establishing his rule in a new way through Jesus this kingdom of God will provide benefits to those who enter into it. And most importantly, the benefit of being in this kingdom is to be at peace with the king, God Almighty. This kingdom of God, it's a little mysterious, and so just just think about it with me. It's a dynamic movement of God in the world. It's not a static infrastructure, it's a dynamic, moving presence of God in the world. It describes God's activity all around us, this kingdom of God. And Jesus says right from the beginning, you can enter it, into it through repentance and faith. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is turning away from your own way and turning towards God's way, which is trusting Jesus Christ. That's repentance. You're going in one direction towards your own idea or your own your own gods, your own idols. God's little g, you know? And you turn away for those pl- placing your trust in those things, and you begin to place your trust in Jesus Christ. And God is saying that through repentance and faith in Jesus is the way that you can enter into this kingdom of God. Okay, so with that as the backdrop and understanding theologically of what this kingdom of God concept it is, let's read this Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. So would you stand to your feet and I'll read these verses if you're bored, now's a good time to leave. I'll be looking down. Um, so Mark ten thirteen. here is what these words say. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. What is going on here? Well, Jesus is teaching as he often does. The disciples the people closest to him are gathered around, and then there's a large crowd. Well, the word has gotten out. Jesus has this really special power. And so, of course, the mothers want to bring their children to Jesus to receive a blessing. Now, this blessing that they anticipated he would give them was really a promise for their future. It, it, would, it would be something that would transform their future or their destiny in their own immediate life on earth and in the eternal life. So these moms are bringing their children to jesus and jesus has this group of guys closest to him i mean they have a mission they know that what jesus is doing what he's setting up is very very important and so they don't want any distractions no distractions to the work of jesus and to them these children are a distraction an inconvenience if you an annoyance if you will so they try to stop these moms from bringing these children to Jesus. Jesus is not happy. The The word here, the phrase that Jesus was indignant is really, really strong. There are other words that we would use in our own English language to actually communicate this, but I don't wanna say it here. My mother-in-law's here. I wanna... <laughs> Jesus was really hacked off. It's a a passionate, deep, heartfelt word that Jesus says, do not even think about stopping these kids from coming to me. You know, one of the reasons that the disciples did not think that Jesus had time for the children is because the, the children during this time were somewhat marginalized. The reason they were marginalized is because they couldn't offer a lot to society. And frankly, in the first century, uh, women were marginalized. So it was kind of like the, man, the men kind of ran things and the women and the children are kind of on the side. So anytime that you see in the scriptures, a woman approaching Jesus or children approaching Jesus and Jesus allowing it as a respected rabbi, it really is transformational. It's radical. Now in our society, we're like, well, man, what are these guys doing? Well, in this first century, it was a huge, The disciples were probably trying to keep these kids from coming to Jesus because they had in their mind that Jesus was going to set set up this uh, this reign and this rule. And they might even thought it was going to be an earthly reign, although they began to get hints that it was going to be a heavenly kind of reign. There was something bigger than just overthrowing the Roman government that was going on here for the Jews. Um, They didn't want to be annoyed by them. You ever feel that? you ever feel that? I mean, like one thing that's funny in our church is we, we ask all of our mission partners to work with the kids. And I know I see it on some people's faces sometimes that it's kind of annoying to have to go down there and to work with the kids. I mean, you know, I, I get that. I mean, you're not, these aren't my kids. I've got my kids all during the week. I just wanna to come to church and I wanna sit. I don't wanna to have to go and work down there for 45 minutes once every five weeks. It's too much trouble. It's so annoying, right? Until you start thinking about it and going, maybe it's not that big of a deal because these kids are important to Jesus. So Jesus rebukes these disciples and he literally says, let, like start allowing these kids come to me. I, I don't know. He may have even said, I don't know how the rab- other rabbis are doing it, all the other spiritual leaders are doing it, but in this kingdom in the way that things are going to work now, the way that God is working in the world, uh, the little children, the people in the margins get access to God. You get that? The people in the margins, the people that don't have a lot to offer, they get access to God. Let him come to me. Stop preventing, his words here in the English are do not hinder. And it means like stop preventing them. This is a new kingdom. This is a new way that things are going to work in this world. In the former way, the women and the children and the poor and the sick were in the margins. We don't have time for them. We're going to push them outside of the camp. But in this new kingdom, this kingdom of God, the people that have first place are those that cannot provide for themselves, cannot help themselves. So get out of their way, you religious people, and let those that cannot help themselves have access to the blessings of Jesus. This is what he's saying. God's present rule it's gonna be new and unique. This kingdom of God is different. You say, some of you are here and you're like, okay, so why is this different than any other religion out there? Why is this different than what, whatever faith you've been living by? It's because this way, this kingdom of God where the least of these get first access to God, there's no other thing out there like it. There's no other belief system out there like it where the king says, come to me freely. You don't have to pay your way. You don't have to earn your way. You can have access to the king in this kingdom of God. This is the good news of the Bible. First Corinthians talks about this good news and describes it as foolishness to those that are perishing. Sounds like foolishness that God Almighty would even make a system where he invites people who are far from him to come freely to him and not have to pay anything for it. Here's the thing about this kingdom of God. If someone does not accept God's rule in their lives like a child, the simple faith of a child, They will not, he says. And this is what's called an emphatic negative. So there's a lot of passion in this passage that we might miss by just casually reading it. Uh, It says here in verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, it's like like you will not receive the benefits of the kingdom. Whoever, Whoever does not come to Jesus with the simple faith of the child does not receive the blessings of Jesus. But those that do come to Jesus with the simple faith of a child will receive a warm hearted blessing. You see, when these children were finally allowed to come to Jesus, Jesus blessed them. He took them in his arms and he blessed them. And we know from the wording that he took time for each one of them. Like today, I try to take time for each of these kids. You say, This is important. The lives of these little ones and the lives of the people that are in the margins that are often overlooked or ignored are important to Jesus. We see here he took them in his arms and he blessed them. He laid his hands on them. This is is a great picture of the way of Jesus. He has a heart for those that are in the margins. And not only does he want to give them access to him, but he wants to take time for them and love them and care for them and be with them and bless them. Now, when it says that he blessed them, not only did it have an immediate sense and he blessed them right there in that moment, it must have felt good to them and to the parent. But his blessing of them Uh, indicates that there would be an eternal reward for them. You see, they'd made their way to Jesus. And the blessing would be that they would get to be at peace with the king. So let me ask you a few questions. What or who is trying to keep you from Jesus? You know, in my just conversations with so many people in this part of the world over the course of the last couple of years of beginning this church, I find that at least half, maybe even two out of three, have a viewpoint about Jesus that's not positive. In fact, it's very negative. And nearly every time, the reason that they have that viewpoint can be traced back to a moment where they had a bad experience with the church or someone in the church. And so maybe you're here and, and you're being kept from seeing Jesus for who he is because you can remember some religious experience that for you was not very good. And I mean, Let me tell you, I've worked in the church. I've seen the inside of the outside of really large churches and really small churches and there is junk in the church, in every church. Why? Because there's people and we've all got our junk. But if you allow that to keep you from seeing Jesus for who he is, then ultimately you will pay a price. Can you see Jesus as one who's warm and compassionate and willing to bless you, not only in this life but in the life to come? Are you willing to respond to this message of the kingdom of God in the way that Jesus says, by repenting of your sin, turning away from your way of life and turning towards him? If so, That's what you call being saved or salvation or being born again. So who or what is trying to keep you away from Jesus? Maybe what's trying to keep you away from Jesus is is you've got, you're just in your head. There are so many ideologies and it's just confused you. I mean, you're like in the maze, this complex maze of ideas and you're unable to just slow down enough to hear the simple good news about Jesus. And so maybe for you, what keeps you from Jesus is is your unwillingness just to slow down and just simply listen to the good news about Jesus. I would say to you that Jesus feels the same way about whatever or whoever is keeping you from Jesus as he did the disciples. He feels indignation, hatred towards that or them because he wants you to have access to him. So the question is, will you come with a simple faith? And your simple faith is this, you don't understand it all, I know, nor do I. Your simple faith says this, I need Jesus to bless my life. I need Jesus, so I'm going to turn away from my own way, turn towards Jesus, so that I can live with, live at peace with the king. I want, for Jesus to touch my life, to bless me. And let me tell you something, there will be benefits in this life and there'll be benefits in the next. We're tempted sometimes to, to come to Jesus in some way other than the way of a child. But we're tempted to come to Jesus in this way. Hey, hey Jesus, I'm gonna come to you but I gotta get my stuff together first. Can you imagine a child saying that? A child would never say that. Children don't think like that. My kids, whenever they've, they've had a day where they've just disobeyed me, they, they get to the end of the day and without reservation, they'll run and jump in my lap. They don't think to themselves, well, my daddy probably doesn't want to uh, talk to me because I've disobeyed him all day long. They don't think like that. They just know that my lap is always available to them. This is the way of Jesus. Maybe you think, you gotta kind of get your junk together before you come to Jesus. Let me tell you something. The good news of the Bible is you don't. You can have all kinds of junk. Bring it. Bring it Lay it at his feet and go, this is who I am. And you take it or leave it. And Jesus says, I'll take it. In fact, I took it to the cross and died for it. So let's forgive it. And let's move forward in this new way of life. So, this passage has striking implications for our own lives, right? And how we live simply with faith in Jesus. But it also has implications for us as a church, like how we think about teaching our children. I want you to know if you're a parent of a child in here, I take it as an awesome responsibility that I have to teach you the gospel and equip you to teach your children the gospel. I see you as the primary disciples in your children's life. We will not allow you to abdicate responsibility in discipling your children to us. Although we're gonna do a great job with them as they're downstairs or whatever kind of venues we have them, but it's your responsibility. We want for you to disciple them, to learn about what it means to disciple them, just like you would learn about whatever you need to learn at work. Or whatever hobby you want to get better at. So we take responsibility of teaching our children very, very seriously. We want them to understand that God is worthy and worship, and God and we want them to understand the gospel, which is that God created all things and is perfect, and that sin entered the world, and that God has been working through history and then at one point through Jesus to restore all things to himself, and that there will be a day when we'll all stand before God and be judged for our lives. For those that are in Christ, they'll be judged as righteous. For those that are not in Christ, they'll be judged as unrighteous. This is the gospel. This is what we want to teach our children. So we as a church not only will teach you and teach you how to teach your kids, but we're going to support uh, you in the training of your children, whatever that way that means. Whatever help you need, we want to help you. We're trying to figure it out, too. I'm trying to figure out how to disciple and raise my kids. I've got four. All four of them are different. Keep it quiet on us. the most perfect Little child. (laughs) Uh, I can say this, you know. And and they're all perfect. But, you know, they're they're all just wired so differently, you know. So, and not only that, do we want to be careful how we treat our own kids. But we as a church want to be mindful of the kids that are not a part of our families that are outside of our church. Like, for instance, um, these aren't children. These are young men. But we want to support Lotten. as he's going to the skate park and and going over there and sharing with you and your friends about the love of Christ. I don't know anything about your families, about your backgrounds, or whatever. But no matter what it is, we want to to share with you how awesome God is and how He can change your life. So we want to support Lotten and continue to to get behind him as he's sharing the love of Christ with these, these young men and young women that are over here. Not only that, we as a church want to Want to fight for the rights of children that cannot speak for themselves. And although we're in an interesting interesting time where culturally we're very kid focused, this is not a political statement, this is a moral biblical statement. There is a problem in our culture when our president stands up and says, God bless, God bless Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. that reveals something about what's going on in our culture. that that we as a church must stand up for and go, you know what? Those that cannot speak for themselves need to be spoken for. They have to stand up for these people. So as a church, we are aware of these needs in in our community and around our community, and we will stand up with these that cannot speak for themselves. Kids are important to Jesus. The people that are in the margins that have a hard time Providing for themselves and helping themselves are important to Jesus. So we as a church are going to be passionate about taking the good news to all of these people. We want everyone to have access to Jesus. So, just before I pray, I ask you this. Is there anything that's keeping you from the simple faith of coming to Jesus and saying, I need you to bless my life"? I want to turn away from my way and turn towards Jesus. Would you bow your head?